Welcome to the Pay Yourself First podcast. My name is Chris Jolly, and I'm on a mission to financially empower millions of entrepreneurs. I want you to make and keep more money so that you can begin implementing and turbocharging a plan for creating financial freedom your way during the life cycle of your current business without spending a ton of time or becoming a professional investor. You see, most of the financial teachings out there are made for employees, not entrepreneurs. If you wouldn't listen to someone who doesn't have kids about parenting, why take business financial advice from someone without a business? Are you ready to break free of bad advice and follow the trail of other uncommon entrepreneurs so you can get from where you are now to the lifestyle you were aiming to create when you started your business? Then stick around. Here comes another episode of Pay Yourself First, where the only investment we offer is the one you make in yourself. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I am super excited as always. We have another amazing entrepreneur on for you today. And her name is Anne. Welcome. It's great to have you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how long you have been in business and what exactly it is that you do? So I've worked in the natural health industry for close to 25 years. I've been self-employed for as long as I can remember. My current company, I started in 08 here when I moved to New Orleans. Um, before that, I had owned health food stores and businesses, so I was just transitioning from one thing into another, but I can't remember the last time that I've worked for anybody else. It's been a very long time. Right. How'd you get started in that? It just started with being passionate about something and just, you know, I worked in restaurants for a long time, waiting tables, and I was always like, oh my gosh, I'm afraid to leave that money, that cash that I would get every night. I pursued my interest in natural health and went and got a college degree for it and job opportunities just presented themselves and gave me ideas. So I just made it happen. Now, as far as college, what exactly is it that you went for? What is the degree that you got and where did you go to school? So my degree is as in holistic nutrition from Bastyr University in Seattle. Lived up there for about six years and it helped me with the nutrition and health aspect, but it didn't necessarily help me with sales. When I owned I stepped into a couple of opportunities to own health food stores. I owned one in San Diego, co-owned one, and then I co-owned one in Seattle. So I kind of learned as I went, I did the health food store thing, having the brick and mortar retail store. And then when outside sales reps would come into my store and talk to me, I was like, man, I don't want to be tied down to a store. Yes, I'm self-employed, but I want to be mobile and I can do that job really well. So I pursued it and made it happen. That's what I do now. It's a lot of outside sales for healthy nutrition products. And then I do some wellness consultations on the side. That's really awesome. Now I want to drill down a little bit on something that you touched upon there. And that's that a lot of people who start businesses do so exactly like you did because they find something they're passionate about and that they want to pursue. And then they come to find that just because they're passionate about something or that they have worked in a business that does the thing that they do, that doesn't necessarily prepare you for actually running a business. No, not at all. And they always tell you like how the colleges are indoctrinating you and they don't really give you a lot of real life scenarios. <laughs> I definitely believe there's a large bit of truth to that. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with the book, The E-Myth or not. It's a fairly well-known business book that's been around a while. The guy's actually written a whole series about it. But the main point of The E-Myth actually goes back to that. And that's that you have a technician and you have an entrepreneur. So the technician is the person who knows how to do the thing the business does. So if I have a bakery, a technician knows how to make cupcakes. But as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, you need to learn how to run and operate the business. It's not enough to know how to make the cupcake. Like you said, you have to know how to do the sales. You have to be able to market. You've got to be able to talk with vendors, all that kind of stuff. 
that just right. knowing the thing itself doesn't prepare you for. And if you make mistakes, you learn and come back again and do it better the next go around. You just dust yourself off and then fix it. So yeah, experience is invaluable. Exactly. All right. Now here's a fun one that I like to ask and don't feel like you have to answer because it can be really personal for some people, but how much does your business make? How much debt do you have for the business, if any? Our business is debt-free. I'm paying for like website services and stuff like that. We have some costs, operating costs, gas and getting up there in the field. And it's changed. It changes so often depending on how many companies we have. Like I know at the top of my game, I was making a hundred grand a year just for me without any sales reps. Then the industry changed and we lost lives and some companies like went into Walgreens and then we stopped working with them. So it's an ebb and flow. And, and then I've taken on a business partner five years ago. So he takes a chunk of the business and I have scaled back my territory and where I'm driving to and going to just because I've paid my dues. I've done my time. I don't want to drive that much anymore. So yeah, I guess at the top of it, it was, I was making like a hundred grand a year. And as far as revenue, do you know about what your predicted revenue for the year will be this year? Oh gosh, we're so busy that putting orders that we haven't really crunched the numbers, but I'll tell you one company that we just started with three months ago, if not a little less, we did 17,000 in sales for just one line on month number two or three. And we've got about 25 lines. They're all various numbers and they're all various commissions because we get paid on commissions. So yeah. All right. Now, one out of three entrepreneurs, and this is actually what really got me interested in this work because I've been that entrepreneur not once, but twice, don't save anything for retirement. So more than 30% of everybody who owns a business has $0 put away to retire. Are you currently saving for retirement? And if so, what does that look like? Because of the state that our world is going through and the imminent dollar crash, yeah, I've diversified some, bought some assets, some property, some silver, some gold, some crypto, just bought some like uranium the other day. So I'm hoping if I diversify and that's my retirement plan, I don't do any of the like IRA or the Roth or any of that stuff. I'm trying to be more in control of my stuff and exit the corrupt system that we've had for all these years and trying to switch gears a little bit. But yeah, I definitely think about all of that revenue that is what's the word that I'm looking for just on autopilot like at one point I had a bunch of rental properties and I had some rental income but I wanted to downsize so yeah I think about all of those things and I try to prepare and forecast and yeah not be caught my pants down so you brought up an interesting point there and it's contentious with some people because people have been sold for so long the idea of the 401k and how it's a great retirement vehicle because you just put your money in and you never think about it again and that's the problem right there. You put your money in it and then you don't think about it. And like you said, you don't have control over it. And so for a business owner, especially one of those retirement accounts is usually not the best way to invest their money. Anything that involves a government that has their hand in any of your cookie jars just sounds like a bad idea, especially now more than ever. Yeah. They're freezing bank accounts all over the world. They're stopping people from taking their money out. and. Right. It's crazy right yeah, now. Yeah, that can go down a whole nother rabbit hole of how to shift out of that. But we're not going to, for all intents and purposes, we're not going to talk about that today. <laughs> Maybe another time. <laughs> I do put a, my tinfoil hat a little bit on for this podcast. So, you know, don't feel like you have to censor yourself. <laughs> all right. The next thing that I want to ask you is what did you learn about finance growing up? Because we have this thing where we spend 10, 12, 18 years in school, depending on what you go to school for. And I walked away. I know how to do the Pythagorean theorem. I learned how to do calculus. 
but nobody taught me how to balance a checkbook. And now most people don't have checkbooks that they're balancing anymore, but it, it's the same idea. Nobody taught me about the different types of income, about the importance of saving, about why to invest. I didn't learn anything. No, the only thing that I can remember from college is like an economics class, a little bits and pieces of it. But I think the one thing that stuck with me, which was not from college, was my dad Fast forward years later, the echoes of his voice saying multiple streams of income. Um, so I think that's a really important one. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Especially with everything that's going on now, you never know what's going to happen or what the next shoe to drop is, especially in the way the global economy is going. So to, right. to have concentrated everything into one thing is very risky right now, especially. Yeah, and a lot of people live by the seat of their pants and just in the moment and today and that just terrifies me. I just, I can't wrap my hand around that. It sounds like you didn't get anything really from school like most of us don't, but you did get a little bit from your family as well. Have you taken any course related to finances and business, anything of that nature, done any coaching, mentoring? I've taken a lot of workshops, but nothing specifically on finance. I took a class on things that would make me money, buying tax liens, and I was really hardcore focused on that. Um, until COVID hit. And then I was like, oh, okay. Now we're looking at agenda 21 and 2030. And now you have to look at properties in a totally different way than you did before. I'm like putting the brakes on that, downsize, okay, prepare, that's it. But not any per se, any classes on finance. Just I would count a real estate course as a class on finance. I guess, yeah. On tax liens, there's definitely some stuff in there that would guide you towards checks and balances and money-making strategies and stuff like that. This podcast is all about financial freedom and how entrepreneurs can use their business as a vehicle to create financial freedom for themselves. But when you say financial freedom to people, a lot of people have the idea that we've been sold in the media that financial freedom means being really rich, sitting by the pool and doing nothing, having a yacht or having lots of fancy cars. And then when you actually talk to people and have them drill down, most people don't really desire those things or not in the same way that they're portrayed in the media or on the same scale. So what does financial freedom look like to you? If you knew that you had enough money that you were covered for the rest of your life and you didn't have to work another day if you didn't want to, and of course, we often find that entrepreneurs still want to continue working even when they reach that point, what would you do? What would that look like for you? What is your dream financial freedom picture? I guess probably opening up an animal sanctuary and saving a whole lot of animals. And I would probably open up a chain of health food stores in Louisiana where they are desperately needed, where I would have much competition. That would be what I would do. Those two things. Very cool. Yeah, those are two causes that I'm also very passionate about. That's actually how Jahan and I met. She was the first friend I made when I came to New Orleans and I contacted her through the vegan Facebook group and we've been friends ever since. I know, and how long ago is that now? Oh boy, five or six years. Really? That seems longer. Okay, so what are some of the challenges that you've faced in your business from a financial perspective? Or what are the biggest challenges financially that you face right now? And how have you overcome them? Or if they're challenges for right now, what are your plans to overcome them? Business related, I guess I have to say, when we've abruptly lost lines that we were representing due to one reason or another. So that's happened and that's been an interrupting thing. I guess that's the most interrupting thing when it comes to our business, figuring out challenges with website people, what to do and what not to do. I, once again, like I was super green until I made a real website. And then I realized what kind of people I want to work with, what I don't want. And now I think I've got it like more dialed in. And I think I finally found a good team. So that was another like learning lesson thing that had to happen and play out that way. Gotcha. Yeah. 
Okay. We talked a little bit, or you mentioned a little bit about some of the investments you have and have been in. Do you want to go into a little bit more detail about what you invest in and why? Yeah, most of my investments have been on property. I haven't like flipped properties like within six months kind of speed like some people do, but I've bought and held and leveraged them and rented them and let them appraise for more and then sell them and try to avoid capital gains tax or roll it into a 1031. So I'm evading any of the tax crap. But that's mostly what I've been pretty successful with was buying properties. I still have a stake in the two properties and then I'm building a house with three acres in the forest in another state. So those all, those should all be good. I think some of the ones that I have a percentage in are going to be sold. So I would just roll that into probably some other properties or something like that. I used to have more rental income. Now I just have, so I guess one of my other sources of income is an Airbnb that's attached to my home here. So that's rented fairly often. So that's one of those streams. But yeah, I used to have like more tenants and I don't have that anymore, but I have had a lot of that as well. And it sounds like you like really tangible assets, like precious metals and real estate, things you can actually put your hands around. Yeah, that just seems more logical to me. But I definitely have a little bit of crypto too. So I definitely have some non-tangible assets. The buzz was just too much that it was unavoidable. Yeah, I think it's maybe not a good idea to dump all of your money into it because we don't know what's going to happen in the space. It's still very unregulated. It's still very young. But there is a lot of promise there in a lot of the technologies. And like most things, 99% of those things will be gone in five years, just like most companies fail. And a lot of them are scams. But the ones that are really good projects made by really good developers have the potential to change the financial industry, the way we keep records and so many other things that we do that it's it makes sense to at least put a little bit in because the potential return on it is so big, especially as far as everything has fallen now. I agree. Yep. So be picky about the ones that you choose. Now that you've been in business for yourself for quite some time, what do you wish that you had been taught about personal finance before you started? Oh gosh. I don't know. I guess if I had to pinpoint like certain things that I would have liked to have been taught. Say you can go back in time, right? And think of where you are right now. And if you could go back in time to your younger self and say, you know what, learning this will really take you to the next level or will get you where you want to go. Can you think of anything like that? Like maybe strategies, like in your early 20s, when you are just young and naive, that would have been a really good time to get more information from an adult that's been like doing stuff for a long time, like hands on. And I'm not talking about college. Yeah, college should offer more than they do for sure. But yeah, more hands-on strategies. Like that would have been cool if I was like hanging out some like real estate or tax lien guru, like in my early twenties, that would have been awesome. Yeah. Having somebody in your life when you're young to help and point you in the right direction is crucial. I made it to 35 before I realized, Hey, I need to do something, learn about finances and start saving money because I I was tired of being broke all the time. And if I could go back now and teach myself then what I know now, my life would be totally different completely. I know. The thing is my dad was a good, like a really good businessman, but I just like, I think they maybe just taught me how to balance a checkbook, but just like they pushed the whole indoctrination of school thing. School college is the answer to everything. What's the most rewarding thing for you running your business and being an entrepreneur? The freedom to make decisions that I want, the freedom to shape, mold my business the way I want it to, the freedom of I could take that person and do business with them or I could leave them because there's plenty more. Not that that's an attitude that I take. I love everybody and I love to do business with as many people as possible, but I guess that and that I'm able to just 
I can be in another state and do sales and crank out emails. Like today I had an office day and I had a lot of updates to do on my website and emails to get out to customers. So those can be great. I am a huge traveler, as I know you are too, Chris. We're both like travel addicts. So if I can travel and be somewhere else and be like conducting business, like that's the best. So I, I try not to sit too much, but sometimes it does catch up with me between office days, sitting and then the desk and sitting, driving. And I try to limit that as much as possible. I'm slowly moving in that direction with as my website is getting better and better. So that's my kind of dream scenario. So for you, in one word, the most rewarding thing about having your own business would be freedom. Yeah. Freedom of time, freedom of movement, freedom to do as you please. And, and I think that's why most entrepreneurs go into business. You do have people who just say, hey, this looks like a good money-making opportunity. and I want to make a lot of money, so I'm going to do it. But for the most part, people go into business because they want that freedom. They want to be able to do their own thing. They want to be able to live a life on their terms, which is why the financial freedom aspect of it is so important because until you reach that place, you can't, you're still not really living life on your terms. Right. You may be doing what you want to do in the business, but if you can't step away from that business or if you can't pursue other things, then in, in some ways, it's still just like having a job for yourself. Correct. I agree. Yeah. And certain personalities do well with different situations. Like I am just not a work for somebody kind of person. Right. That does not go well. Yeah. That's how <laughs> I ended up where I am too, because I just, I tried and I guess it, it depends, right? It depends. Like I work wonderfully with my business partner, but he's a partner. I can work for people, but they have to know what they're doing. And the issue that I ran into a lot is I would go into people's businesses to work for them. And then I'd find out that they didn't know what they were doing, or I had a better grasp on how to run the business. And then they weren't open to ideas about it, didn't want to change it. And it's frustrating to go into a workplace every day, knowing that you can improve it and not being, not having the freedom to do so. Right. And we know one situation of a restaurant that you were at where that happened and they ended up closing. Yeah. I mean, there are, that's, there are several restaurants like that. That's been my main issue. And one of the reasons why I left the restaurant industry and will only ever go back to it to have my own thing because it's not an easy business to do. And most people who open restaurants haven't actually put in the time to learn what it takes to operate one successfully. True. What would your advice be to a new entrepreneur, somebody who is either has either just started a business or is thinking about making the leap from being an employee to an entrepreneur? Slow and steady wins the race. Divine timing on things. Don't go too crazy that you hard you fall so hard. Ease into it as you work out the kinks. Yeah, that's a great piece of advice and one that I wish I had when I started my businesses because the two food service businesses that I started. I did so with very little capital. Both times it was like, here's enough money to go do a grocery order. I'm going to go make food and sell it for as much as I can and build from there. And I had great success doing that for a while. But if you don't have a backstop, if you don't have any kind of savings or operating capital put aside or a part-time job, you're also working. The moment you run into a liquidity issue, the business is gone. And that's the number one reason most businesses fail is because they don't have enough liquidity to get them through tough times. Yep. And when I had my restaurant, I was definitely pouring money into it from my, my, this full-time job. I made it float as much as I could. If you could wave a magic wand and have anything you wanted in your business, when you wake up tomorrow, what would it be? Have my website completely perfected with all its SEOs and images and look so that it's like totally turned on and somewhat automated for getting in, bringing in more sales outside of our immediate area. That would be great. Very good. If tomorrow you woke up and you had 10 times of the budget you currently have for your business, how would you spend that money? I would hire some 
like good outside sales reps that would mesh with myself and my business partner in maybe specific er other parts of the country to have them combine their outside sales efforts. That being said, I, in my future, I do plan on transitioning out of this business. My business partner are trying to build it up to a really great level so that we can sell it because he's almost 60. I'm 51. And I want to do more stuff with wellness because I have a lot of wellness tools like the Rife Machine and a sauna. And I have a lot of experience to offer for helping people with their health. And I'm not doing it as much as I would like to. So I think at some point, like I would want to phase a little bit more into that and less on the hustle and bustle of sales. But I could see if it is more automated, the two could coexist. So maybe it would look something like that. Now, you brought up something interesting, and it's something that I feel like most entrepreneurs don't think of when they start a business, and that's an exit plan. Because when you start a business, and especially when it's something you love, you think you're just going to do it and grow really big and just keep doing it forever because you love doing it. And then you never put the end goal in mind. It's not best for everybody. You need to have that exit plan in mind because otherwise you will just keep working and doing that same thing forever, and there's no end in sight. Yeah. And the other thing... I know this isn't necessarily that kind of podcast, but bringing consciousness into everything that you do and energy work is really important with manifesting the things that you want in this world. And so you like understand that is part of how things work, incorporate that, put good energy into it, have a vision and envision those things happening. That's actually exactly what this podcast is about. It's about bringing more consciousness to your financial life. So that fits in perfect. And then the last couple of questions are just for fun. What would you request for your last meal? Gosh, I don't know. A really good, healthy, yummy veggie burger. Yeah. Sounds good. As always, it's really good to see you and to talk with you. Thanks for sharing your wisdom with our audience. Thank you, Chris. And if you're also a six-figure plus online entrepreneur and you'd like to come on just like our amazing guest today and share some great insights for our listeners, we'd love to talk to you. You can go to pyfpodcast.com. That's the letters pyfpodcast.com and apply. And we'd love to have you on as well. Thank you so much, everyone. We'll see you next time. If you've listened this far, chances are you're an entrepreneur looking to become more financially literate and create financial freedom for yourself from your business. The Pay Yourself First podcast is definitely here to help with that. My goal is to continue to share what I've learned about using your business as the tool to create financial freedom. But let's face it, it would take me years to share with you everything you need to know via these episodes. Creating financial freedom is something that most people never even consider, let alone make a plan for or take action towards. It's something almost no one was taught anything about. Doing it as an entrepreneur is even more challenging, especially without support. So if you're ready to get clear on what financial freedom looks like for you, come up with an action plan and get the support systems and accountability you need, I invite you to consider the Abundantly Infinite Entrepreneur. I created the program to help entrepreneurs just like you get a handle on their personal and business finances and start building confidently towards financial freedom. And it's how you can discover ways to take 10 years off your retirement, add an extra five or six figures to your portfolio, and finally get clear on what numbers you should be tracking in your business and why. Together, we'll gain clarity around your financial goals and what being financially free would actually look like for you. Then we'll put together a customized game plan to get you there and the accountability to see you through. And by the way, you're also going to get all the spreadsheets you need to run your numbers, lifetime access to the materials, including any updates, 
and entry into our members only community. In addition to all the knowledge, coaching, community, and systems that you need to create financial freedom from your business, you'll also receive a free financial assessment, a retirement planning session, and guided meditation aimed at helping you embody the feeling of true financial freedom. So yeah, you can just listen to the free content on these podcasts to help you move towards becoming a financially free entrepreneur. And sure, you'll likely see some results, or you can make the decision to commit to learning, implementing, and embodying what you need to know to create the financially free life you dreamed of when you started your business journey. Click the link in the show notes to answer a quick questionnaire, and you'll be on your way to joining the Abundantly Infinite Entrepreneur.